Hi everyone, it's Amy Geckel here, your host of the Eating Disorder Diaries, a podcast about my 16-year journey with bulimia and my life in recovery. Welcome to my third entry. Like usual, I want to come on and give a trigger warning for sensitive content, but I also want to use this time to introduce the episode because it's a very special one to me. Not only was this my first official interview ever, but I interview my parents, so it was extra special to me. My relationship with my folks has definitely evolved over the years, and it's amazing to me that I'm able to openly talk about my eating disorder and my past trauma with them. It was incredibly healing, but we do touch on sensitive matters, so please use caution when listening. And let's get into the episode with my parents, Chris and Cindy Geckel. We're currently recording this in Florida, where I've come to visit you and spend some time with you both for my 30th birthday. I want to thank you both for coming on. Uh, I'm really excited to do this. Why don't we start by telling the listeners more about you? You are both retired now, uh, loving life in Florida. Dad, what else can you share? Well, uh, 63 years old, and uh, we do love retired life. Uh, Empty nest. was an adjustment when it started to happen, but that's what we raised our kids to do. It's what my family wound up doing, living all around the country and world at at different points. And and now you have the ability to come visit us. We have the ability to come visit you. And we've got your sister in Chicago and a fun place to visit her. So it's all good. Your empty nesters. Well, let's start at the beginning of my childhood. I'm not looking for too many specifics, but mom, what was I like from early adolescence up until like middle school? Brilliant, beautiful. Um, uh, We just, we were, you were just the best little baby Mm -hmm. and the best little kid. And, um, and your dad reminded me of something that as you were growing up, I said, I want to be Amy. It, you were just such a sweetheart. And yeah, that you were bright, brilliant, creative, um, dramatic. Oh my gosh, keep going. I love <laughs> it. So when did you notice not necessarily my ED behaviors, but I guess just issues with my self-esteem or me starting to have problems, say, outside of the norm of a typical preteen? So I thought I noticed when you were in sixth grade and you were comparing yourself to other girls. And, you know, I was surprised because you were quite beautiful and, and such a good kid. And I, I didn't understand why you were so down on yourself. So that's when I noticed that you were starting to have some, some issues, but kind of thought that's pretty normal for girls. Yeah, I would say it's pretty normal, which is sad. Um, My eating disorder began for me probably two years later. So you noticed 
issues with my self-esteem in sixth grade, I started showing eating disorder behaviors in eighth grade. How did you find out about my ED, Mom? Actually, I found out because your sister was the one that actually figured it out, um, your younger sister, and she was worried. So I, I had no idea. You disguised it well enough that I did not realize. I can only imagine how confusing and sad, scary of a time that was. What actions did you take to get me help when you found out? So the first thing, not knowing a whole lot about this type of thing, other than hearing some horror stories, um, I took you to the pediatrician who immediately ran, scheduled you for blood tests, um, and, and we had to go and have different heart tests performed just to make sure you hadn't done any damage. Um, and I think a dentist, too, but you, would, you regularly went to a dentist. As soon as those came back all clean, then um, we got you started with a um, nutritionist and a child psychiatrist for, uh, that specialized in eating disorders that came highly recommended. At the time, I remember you took me to a lot of my therapy appointments and my nutritionist appointments, uh, and I was probably 14. It would have been my freshman year of high school, if I'm remembering correctly. And I lied to my therapist uh, and told her I was all better. I was recovered. At that point, did you also believe that I was recovered? I did. I did. And um, she actually agreed with you. And like I said, you were very dramatic. You were a <laughs> wonderful actress, um, you know, in theater. And you did a pretty good job convincing, convincingly outside of the stage, too, off the stage. And I had no reason to believe at the time, that there was any other issues. And it's curious for me because what good was that doing to me or to anyone lying to my therapist and nutritionist and saying I was better? I think in that headspace that I was at, I thought that I would just miraculously get better. You know, fast forward 16 years, I've gone to several therapists to get this extra help and I didn't realize at the time just how dire the situation was and how potentially deadly it could have been. So looking back, I wish I could have taken it more seriously and I wouldn't have lied to my doctor. We'll be back right after this break. If you're like me and love podcasts, you've probably considered starting a podcast of your own. I can tell you that starting this podcast has been one of the most fulfilling things I've ever done. I use the website Buzzsprout to upload all of my shows and get my episodes listed in every major platform. Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest and best way to launch a professional podcast. When I conceptualized the idea of my podcast, I had no idea where to get started. I bought a mic, wrote some episodes, but then what? Buzzsprout has tons of guides to help get you started, from marketing your podcast to monetizing it to optimizing your SEO. You also get a website where you can link your social media handles and get detailed analytics to see how and where people are listening. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get started on your podcast. 
Following the link in the show notes lets Buzzsprout know I sent you and gets you a $20 credit if you sign up for a paid plan. Thanks for supporting the show and let's create something great together. Welcome back. For you looking back, and I'll direct this question to you, Dad, is there anything that you wish you would have done or said differently while I was struggling? Well, I I would uh, just go back to what you just finished about yourself there. And, and I'm sure by now you've forgiven yourself for that because it's not unique to you that you were lying to yourself. That age group, that's going to happen. It doesn't have to be about bulimia. It's about many things. And you probably poo-pooed and ridiculed the value of counseling. And you obviously have come to learn quite differently. And I think our society has come to learn quite differently. There is no longer a stigma attached to the fact that mental health is just as important, if not more, than physical health and having regular medical care for each. So kudos to you for where you are now from where you came. Um, As far as my observation of the whole era and time period, I don't want to overuse the stage example that you were a gifted actress, but you were you were a gifted non-truth teller. And at that stage, however, I think that my belief in you made me feel like, okay, if she says things are okay, I wasn't a perfect teen. I wasn't upfront with my parents about my behavior, and I didn't share a lot of things. And I thought, well, if you say things are okay, and I did had no idea of the extent of this problem, uh, none. Yeah, I think that as we were preparing for the podcast and having discussions offline, which I think you both can agree have been very healing and very informative for both of us, but it came to both of you as a surprise that I still struggled with bulimia in my twenties. And it was at a point where it felt defeating to say that I was still struggling. And I don't think even then in my early twenties, did I realize just how serious of a disease it was. And another thing that you had mentioned dad is when I was younger, I was a non-truth teller. I was a liar. I was a compulsive liar. And this is something that I talked about as well in my first episode where I described my eating disorder in more detail. And I drew the parallel that I think that I was trying to, I was lying because I almost wanted to be in a fantasy world because I couldn't grasp the reality that I had been traumatized as a young child. And I was in my adolescence, I was going through puberty and my hormones were just going haywire. So it was a really tough time. So I think the lying was almost a form of escapism for me. Uh, so mom, to that point, is there anything looking back that you would have done or said differently? Well, I I guess the, one of the biggest reflections that I have, and and especially after talking, like you said, offline, was I, while I didn't sit in 
on most of your therapy sessions. You, you know, you two did that behind closed doors, and then I was invited in for a few moments mm-hmm. at the end um, of each session. But um, I, I guess I should have realized, I wish I would have known more and didn't think that because this therapist said after five, ten sessions, um, okay, yep, she she feels good, I feel good about her, you know, good to go, I would have known that, oh, heck no, you don't get better from this disease in five hours or ten hours. It's a far more serious condition than than what I imagined. I agree. And I think that a lot more research has been done on bulimia since I was in therapy at that time, which would have been probably 2007. But I still think there's a long way to go. And I think that people need to hear that you don't just get better from bulimia after one therapy session or any eating disorder for that matter. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again, eating disorders are the most deadly mental illness. People need to take them seriously. And if you're a parent listening to this and you have suspicions that something's going on with your kid, I encourage you to talk to them or have them listen to this podcast, because I think that the sooner that you can get to the root cause of the issue to really figure this thing out, the better off you will be in the long run. I'm curious how your relationship with your bodies and yourself and self-love has impacted me. Dad, what do you think about that? Well, I often think about it to this day. And when we, uh, you know, we're talking offline and you talked about it went into your 20s and we didn't know that. I I think that um, uh, that's there's people who are able to do that. I, we're still rookies of learning about eating disorders, uh, in your case, bulimia. There's a phrase that mom and I probably heard many times growing up. <clears throat> Joe so-and-so is a functioning alcoholic. He's an alcoholic, but he still goes to work. He still does this, uh, still, you know, functions. And I'm sure that's where you were as well. It didn't rule and prevent you from being effective at your job, but it was continuing to deteriorate your mental and physical health. So knowing how important both of those are, I think of myself, and as we celebrate your 30th birthday, that I was, you know, a very young and active uh, athletic uh, teen and young adult uh, up to 30 and beyond before I started battling with my own issues and uh, what I would term self-loathing as I began to gain weight. Uh, I uh, never considered myself an alcoholic, but I do perhaps consider myself a foodaholic that I would turn to food for comfort. And uh, one thing I learned at Weight Watchers when the time I was there that uh, achieved lifetime status was you got to remove food from the equation sometimes. We eat to celebrate. We eat because we're happy. We eat because we're sad. We eat for every reason. 
find something else to be happy about. Find something else to celebrate. So I would say that I certainly gave some bad examples of how not to take care of your body to you um, because uh, during your childhood, because that's when I started getting lazy and, and gaining weight. And we know obesity did a lot of things to me, starting with ruining my knee that I had hurt in high school, uh, ruining three other joints, and uh, creating the need for open-heart surgery. So, uh, yeah, I apologize. Well, I don't think apologies are needed. And I figured that the answer to that question would be something that you wish you had improved. But I will say, just thinking about my childhood, about good examples that both of you set for me and for Alyssa. And that is, Dad, you always were cooking. You always cooked fresh food. You you taught me how to make an omelet at age 10, and I am an omelet master now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I love to cook, and I think both of us love to cook. So we have that in common. Uh, and I thought that rubbed off on me the right way. And Mom is always working out. She's always been this active person who prioritizes workouts. And I think that's also trickled onto your daughters. And we prioritize being active and being healthy in that way. So mom, how would you describe me now? Uh, Like what changes have you observed in me that have attributed to my life and recovery? And when did you start seeing me actively make those changes? I, I think by, you know, you moved out, what, at 22? Mm-hmm. And, you know, graduated, got your first real job, um, moved away, and instantly you started growing up. I, you know, sadly, you were still struggling, which I didn't know. But you had also lived away most of the time anyway when you started college. Mm-hmm. So as you change jobs a couple of times first time. Um, I just, it, it was amazing how successful you, you were at whatever you put your mind to and including a job and people noticed you and you became a leader and you were, from what I could see, you prioritized your health at that point too, knowing that it was important to eat well and work out and do things that you're, you're happy doing and and then you switched jobs again and, and moved even further away to Denver, and, but even more successful. And even more accolades came your way. And, and then you started meditating and journaling. And, and along the way, you've done therapy, too, which wonderful. And I was just always, I've been amazed and, and one, still want to be you. <laughs> I appreciate that very much. I would say I want to call out that you had said that I moved away and in my career and job, I started being more successful and I was, and I I'm proud of myself for that, but I was still struggling even after moving to Denver as a newly 26 year old at the time, I, I was struggling and I was stressed and I think I started seeing major improvements in my life and in my recovery when I started prioritizing therapy and going to different types of therapy 
And I struggled in Colorado with finding a therapist that I liked or even finding a therapist that worked with my insurance. So sometimes it felt very defeating. Um, but the therapist I see now, I've I've made a lot of breakthroughs with and I have tried different types of therapy, EMDR, which I will have her talk about in her episode, but it allows you to reprocess some of your past traumas. And I think that me being able to grow up and feel confident that I can talk to you about what happened to me as a child has really been probably the most pivotal thing that's helped me in my recovery because it's something that I felt a lot of shame over and then trickle effect I felt a lot of shame with the bulimia and it I just couldn't talk about it and it was it was sad and it was hard and it was isolating and I think that since I came to visit you a few years ago and sat you down and told you that I wanted to talk about my past trauma more was really helpful for me personally because I have been so much happier after that. I, I, I got a weight off my chest. I felt like things weren't blocking me. And I think it did allow me to live more authentically because I was able to tell you hey, because this happened, my brain works a little bit differently. And I think I remember saying that to you exactly. Um, so I think overall, being able to confide in you has been a critical part of my healing journey. So with that, you know, I've mentioned a lot. We've all talked about me coming to see you guys all the time in retirement. I love that I have a Florida house to come to. Dad, how would you describe our relationship now and how has it evolved? Well, that's going to be hard for me to talk without getting emotional. <laughs> Mom, do you want to go first? <laughs> <laughs> I, we're always so happy. You know, I'm, I, I get to talk to both of you girls, uh, you know, with FaceTime all of the time. And, I, and even though I don't get to see you every week, I get to see you every day. Um, so uh, I love that part. And then we have so much fun and we look so forward to you and we've been very lucky, um, with both girls coming to see us and it, it's such a treat for us. Um, and then also having you guys being able to work remote and, and staying here for extended periods. Sometimes it's been incredible and we're so incredibly proud of you. Yeah, I agree. And I think that just being older and your relationship changes oh, as sure. you become an adult, I, it it's more of a friendship. I mean, I'm still looking at you as my mom, but it, it, it feels great to be able to, to talk to you all day, every day, and always FaceTime. So, Dad, it's, I want to open uh, up the floor to you. <laughs> well, it's it's a great gift to have you visit so frequently. It's a great gift that you're able to, to work remotely when you do that. That's allowed me insight to realize, first, that I'm happy I don't have to work anymore. <laughs> and, and talk to customers and employees and be professional 100% of the time as I sit around living my life in gym shorts and t-shirts. And so... You come frequently, and we have a blast. I observe you in your professional life. You're amazing, 
And it makes me proud because I see traits of both your parents in your behavior, your communication skills, your organizational skills uh, on your job. So that's fantastic. Uh, your uh, daily routine of meditation, exercise, journaling, um, let's put all of that in that mental and physical health category. You're a bit of a role model for me now, and uh, I'm much healthier and very cognizant of, of what I put into my body every day. Uh, I am uh, a guy who won't stop putting uh, cocktails into my body, so I probably have to work a little harder in other areas to kind of break even with that. And and it's 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 fun uh, when you and your sister visit. We look forward to nothing as much as those visits. Well, I definitely agree. You know, I love coming to visit Florida, and I just want to say how much I've loved seeing our relationship evolve over the years, and and it just keeps getting better and better. Not being a parent myself, I can only imagine just how truly difficult the job is and not to toot my own horn or anything. I think you would agree I've turned out okay. (laughs) Uh, And that's just a testament to how amazing both of you are. So that's almost all I've got for you. So let's get into the next segment. Okay, mom and dad, I like to wrap up the podcast on a positive note because I know it can get heavy, especially if someone listening can draw parallels to our story. So my first question for you, for you both is what are your recommendations? This could be anything. Just curious to hear what you're enjoying. It could be something to benefit your mental health, but it could also be something like a show, a book, a podcast, really anything. So. Dad, why don't you start? Okay. Um, I'll get my inspiration from where we are sitting. We're sitting in the house that my mom and dad retired to, their dream. And and your Grammy lived here for 34 years and then lived nearly four more years up in York, PA, to the ripe old age of 94 and had her mental strength the entire time Mm -hmm. she used to say frequently use it or lose it and she meant both mind and body she would sit right there every morning reading the paper doing crossword puzzles uh reading books nonstop, uh going for walks golfing i think she was 84 years old when she announced to her children that she was dropping from an 18-hole to a (laughs) nine-hole membership at the golf course. And uh, that's great advice. Use it or lose it. And it could be easy to to sit down and kind of vegetate, but uh, we're not living that way. So I hope that that generation, I think it has already passed to you. You do that. You're an avid uh, reader. And uh, I love that. I, and I am ready as I sit here 
still on restrictions from this hip replacement, but I am literally ready to hit the ground running. Use it or lose it. I love that. And many crosswords, or Grammy probably did a full crossword, but I quite enjoy the mini crossword from the New York Times every day. Mom, what about you? So I agree, use it or lose it. And I love getting out and and walking every day. It's nice because we live in Florida and I mm-hmm. live in a community where I can walk and walk and walk. And um, so I can go to the gym or I can walk and and enjoy the sunshine and listen. I do a lot of listening to books. But, um, you know, I still enjoy a little bit of crappy TV just to really unwind. So, you know, Love Island UK is great. (laughs) I have not seen Love Island UK, and I know it's the best one. I've only seen Love Island US. Have you seen it? I have. Um, Your sister got me. (laughs) (laughs) Your sister got me hooked. Oh, it's good. Now I have to go watch the UK. I'm sure everyone listening is going to be like, what the heck? Because I know it's the better version. So I will get on that. And for my last question, what's something that you love and appreciate about yourself? Uh, My family. Ultimate, ultimate accomplishment. Good answer. In life. That was a great answer. I'm going to have to, I... I'm lucky to have a good family, good extended family, and um, love that we've been so lucky to enjoy life like this. We are a lucky tribe. And with that, I want to say thank you so much for coming on. I'm so honored, honestly, that you agreed to share your perspectives. And I love you both more than I could put into words. So with that, until next time, Mom and Dad. Hey guys, I just wanted to come on um, one more time before signing off um, to really just say that I'm so thankful to be able to have those types of conversations with my parents. I hope you found this beneficial and informative if you are a parent with a child who's struggling or if you are someone who's struggling that doesn't know how to talk to your parents. Believe me that I went through many, many years of feeling like I couldn't talk to my parents and here's where we are today. So I feel very lucky and very thankful for that. Um, So I wanted to give you a heads up and sneak peek about the next episode. It will be with my therapist. It's a really good one. Uh, We talk about trauma healing and EMDR and accessibility to therapy. It's, It's really wonderful. I'm very lucky that she agreed to be interviewed by me. Uh, So there's way more to come. Stay tuned for my fourth entry and I'll talk to you guys soon. This podcast was written and produced by me, Amy Geckel, with music from Coma Media. You can follow the podcast on Instagram at The Eating Disorder Diaries for updates. Uh, And if you want someone to talk to, you can email me at theeatingdisorderdiaries at gmail.com. If you liked this episode, please subscribe and share with your friends and loved ones. Uh, I want to get the word out. So thank you so much. And I'll talk to you in the next episode.